Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It is October 2nd, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline Senior Vice President of Operations. I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. We're going to jump into another study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Today, we're going to still be in chapter 1, looking at verses 10 through 17. And these are some really encouraging verses. And I love just the simple application that we can pull from these passages of Scripture from Paul. And I think when I when I read through this and I, as we study it together, you guys are going to see this as well, of just Paul's um, time to restructure uh, the, the church in Corinth of just helping them get their priorities in order. You know, I think it's so easy for people to drift and people to um, maybe not intentionally drift away from the Lord or make decisions that uh, they don't want to. But just in time, things begin to morph and things begin to shift. And then ultimately what you see is you are way off course of where you need to be. And this is what Paul is doing in this letter that he is writing to the Church of Corinth. He is really trying to help reestablish their commitment to the gospel and really help restructure um, the, the, the message of the church because they had just began to get wrapped up and bicker in things that really weren't that important. So really, to me, I view Paul in this passage of scripture as a, as a coach, really trying to help his team, which would be the church of Corinth, get back and get back on track because they were bickering and they were not able to operate as a team because they were just competing against one another back and forth. And there was not any kind of unity among the body of believers that were there. So these problems just began to cause division within the church. And they were arguing over, you know, what position maybe was the most important. um, And it made them ineffective as a church. And when Paul caught wind of this, he just in, in, in seven short verses, he really just helps Um, redirect them as a coach would, as a pastor, as a teacher, to let them know that they have drifted from what the original intent of the church was to be. And he's using this letter to really reacclimate them into where they need to, what they need to become and who they need to focus on. So he starts off in verse number 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. You know, I think it's important in this passage just immediately to note that he started, I appeal to you. He is starting off this conversation as almost just pleading. You know, he is saying, I appeal to you, like, listen up. I'm begging of you. Please, please stop. Take note of what I'm saying. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. So I think that that key is also important for us to note is it's a term of endearment. I mean, it's a it's a term of belonging. And he is addressing the church of Corinth as brothers and sisters. So regardless of what Paul is about to say and, and, and the correction that he is about to give them, he is letting them know that they are still his brothers and sisters in Christ. He is, he is supportive of them, of what they're doing, but he is using this moment as a moment of correction. So he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say 
and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. So in this first verse, he is asking them to um, get rid of divisions and to become united as one faith family. You know, there was there was a, opposing views that were that were happening and they had become divisive among this church. You know, and, and I think it's important for us to realize that like, we're not all going to agree on every single issue. Like we can still work together. We can still have harmony um, on things, but we have to, to not get hung up on these petty differences that can that can cause division. We have to focus on Jesus and Jesus Christ as Lord of all. Like we have to focus on Jesus and the purpose he has for you. And we have to speak and act in a way that's going to create harmony and not um, not get caught up in these details that can cause division among the church. And this is what we saw. And this is what Paul was um, confronting in in first Corinthians is this this um, this church just getting off off track. In verse 11, again, he calls them brothers and sisters. So he's, I'm, I'm, right, I'm about to say some hard things, but I still love you. Brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. So he he's, he tells them that they're his, his brothers and sisters. And in this church, what has happened is they have found their favorite preachers. You know, I don't really think it's much different from today, right? We we all have preferences. We all um, likely attend our churches because we uh, we like the pastor's teaching. We're able to, um, you know, we're able to apply that. Some of us may uh, desire a more expository preacher. Um, others may, you know, uh, exhibit more or prefer more of like a, you know, um, a thematic preacher, or maybe we enjoy going through different series or books. Every church has a different way, right? Um, and, and every church has a different, uh, a different pastor, but what, what Paul is acknowledging here and what he's confronting them on is that, um, these, these teachers and these, and these pastors are getting in the way and almost becoming an idol um, and on the same level of Christ, which is not what the Lord has called us to do. So you can see in verse number 12, he even mentions Paul, Apollos, Cephas, who is Peter, and Christ all in the same sentence. So it's almost like they have elevated their pastors and their preference for these pastors and teachers to the same level as Christ. Some follow Peter, some follow Apollo, some follow Christ. And it's, it isn't, isn't this message completely backward is what Paul is saying. Why, why are we, why are we not just servants of Christ? This is what the Lord has called us. We are called to follow him and to serve him wholeheartedly. And it's not an allegiance to, to Paul. It's not an allegiance to Apollos or Cephas. And I think there's such a lesson there for us. We cannot get so wrapped up in the, the pastors and teachers who are leading our congregations, our allegiance is to Jesus and to his message. But I think in this position or in this particular situation, what you see is um, the importance of oral communication, which really magnifies um, this this communication, because this is before the New Testament was written. 
you know, they were the, the church of Corinth were looking to these teachers to help them understand old Testament, to help them understand um, what was written. So they were relying heavily on oral communication, which magnifies the importance of a communicator. So um, they began to just elevate uh, these men and Apollos specifically I want to look back in Acts chapter 18 as a description of Apollos um, because he was he was a great communicator. And this is what Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 24, says. It says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man and had thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor. He taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue with Priscilla and Aquila. And when they heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was, uh, he was a great help to those who by the grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. So Apollos was a very gifted communicator. He was, he was refuting the Jews and these other people who were debating him on, on Christ, and he was able to succeed. He was able to, to prove from the scriptures that Jesus um, was the Messiah, so people were were um, gravitating toward him. The word um, used was vigorously refuted. Um, he was a gifted communicator. He spoke with fervor, and he taught the message of Jesus accurately. There's so many descriptive words of Apollos. Man, this guy was such a good communicator that people began to elevate him to a status that just wasn't wasn't healthy. And when Paul caught word of this. He wrote this letter because he, he was frustrated. He was trying to make sure the church was the church in which Christ created, which Christ had a purpose for. Um, and he even throws himself in to this situation um, and begins to explain um, his own characteristics of a teacher and a preacher. We'll get to this in a few weeks as we study through 1 Corinthians. But this is what chapter 3 says. And these are the words... Of Paul, he says, brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live in the spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? You're not acting like mere humans. For, for one says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe. Listen to that. We are only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned each a task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Paul is reminding him, the church again, 
he is going to almost say the same thing again in chapter three that we are studying now in chapter one, that I am only a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm only a servant through whom you came to believe. The Lord used me as a vessel um, to share the hope of the gospel with you. So don't put me on a pedestal that is undeserved. Don't put me on a pedestal and in the same category as, as Christ. I am only a servant. I'm a messenger. I am doing what God has called me to do to share the gospel with you. So he continues on in our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse number 13. And he just, um, in a sense, like just takes the his, his gloves off in this next passage. I mean, he just gets very direct in addressing the issue at hand. And I keep in mind, this is a letter, right? So he's written this letter um, to them and, and is getting his frustration out in this passage of scripture. And he says, is Christ divided? Question mark. Was Paul crucified for you? Question mark. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And he's just he's quite he's he's just blasting them with questions because right none of this is making sense. And he is just setting them straight. Why are you doing this? He says, I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius. So no one, no one of you can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. So in these four verses, he just says that you have put me put me at a level which I do not deserve to be at. And I'm so mad. I'm thankful that I didn't baptize any of you because you are misconstruing the message of Christ. He says for Christ in verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. There's a description of Paul and his teaching of this humility, not with wisdom and eloquence of, of his humility. And keep in mind, Paul was a very um, skilled teacher. He was very knowledgeable of the scriptures. And there are there was there were many um, things that Paul could do extremely well, including teaching and writing, as we see here. But listen to the, the next chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as Paul um, writes and continues this letter. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, that when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You know, Paul was reminding them again, over and over and over again, and he wanted these believers to be impressed with the message and not with the style of the communicator. You know, you don't have to be a, a very articulate speaker with a large vocabulary in order to share the gospel effectively. You know, it's the, it's the story of the gospel. It's not the storyteller that has the power. God has called us to share the gospel, to be intentional in sharing the hope and the message of Jesus Christ. And we can't, um, we can't get lost in those, those details. We have to keep the main thing, the main thing. So a few quick application points for us today. 
Let's focus on Jesus and not petty differences that cause division. We have to keep Jesus the main thing. Let's focus on Jesus. The second thing is, is that it's, it's the message. It's the message of Jesus that is most important, not the messenger. Let's not um, elevate our teachers and pastors um, to an unhealthy level. Let's remember that they are, um, they are humans. They are sinful, just like we are, but the Lord has put a calling on their lives to, to disciple us, to teach us. But let's keep Christ at the center of all that we do. And then lastly, the Lord has given us all a task and a purpose, and we have to use it for his glory. If you, if you remember back, you know, as we were reading earlier in the difference between Paul and Apollos, you know, one watered or one planted, one watered, but it was up to God to make the, make the, the seed, seed grow and to bear fruit. The Lord has given each one of us a, a task, a gift, and a purpose. Paul was an excellent communicator. Obviously, Apollos and Peter were as well, as this is um, described in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, but let's use our gifts for the goodness of God. Let's use our gifts to glorify him, to share the gospel with those in our circle, um, and be intentional of doing so. so. There's so much to learn here in this passage of scripture. Um, and, and as we continue to read, you're going to see this letter and the theme over and over again of just the focus on Christ at the center, keeping the main thing, the main thing and pointing others toward Jesus. So um, we'll continue the study next week in our time together. But today we're going to close out our time to in prayer, praying specifically for global orphan care and what we're doing um, with our unadopted um, ministry at Lifeline. So we certainly want to pray for um, our child sponsorship program um, and for those children specifically that don't have sponsors. Pray for our team here in the States, um, as well as our global partners. So let's close out today in prayer for Global Orphan Care. God, we are thankful for your word and we are thankful for the hope of the gospel and for, um, Lord, just the chance to dive into 1 Corinthians this morning. There's so much great material um, and Lord, hope found in these pages that Paul has written. But Lord, let us take this message to heart as well and apply it to our own lives. Um, and Lord, may we focus on Jesus and his, his message um, daily. God, we pray for what's happening globally through our partnerships in, in Asia, in Latin America, Africa, Eastern Europe. Um, Lord, so many places around the world. And we just pray for um, churches here in the U.S. to partner well um, and deeply with these global partners. God, may you make it evident to maybe even people listening to this podcast of how their churches can get engaged in global orphan care or just use us as a conduit to make those connections. And Lord, may we see um, people discipled and come to saving faith through partnerships um, with um, U.S. churches and what's happening there on the ground around the world. God, we pray for the children who are um, still in need of a sponsor. Lord, we pray for those. I know they are in so many countries. Um, and Lord, we have an opportunity just for people to, to sponsor them monthly, God, um, to where they have more exposure to who you are and to hear your name. So God, I pray for more, more people to spot, sponsor and to partner with Lifeline. Um, on a monthly basis in um, those financial needs. And God, I pray for our team 
um, here in the U.S. Lord, um, it's, a, it's a growing team, and we pray for favor, and we pray for strength and wisdom as they work to equip the church around the globe to manifest the gospel, and Lord, just to serve the vulnerable. So God, I pray um, for our team here in the U.S. Um, I pray for those regions that they are leading so effectively. Um, and God, I just pray for new opportunities um, to expand the ministry of Lifeline. God, we pray that you go with us now and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.